Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Hi, welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast. Today we are talking about different ways that uh, we read the Bible, um, where to start, what, uh, what, you know, what books we like to look at, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yes, here we go. Uh, so, I know that when uh, I first started hanging out with Micah, um, that was in his Friends of Jesus group, and they do some Bible study at the beginning, like, they, or they do some Bible study before doing uh, meeting for worship. And, um, hey, Micah, was the, was the style of Bible study that you do, is that friendly Bible study, or is it something different? Uh, I mean, when, when we were doing uh, Friends of Jesus groups on a, on a regular basis uh, here in D.C., uh, as I recall, we'd, we would just read a section out of the scripture, and then we discuss it together. So it, I mean, it wasn't a particular method. Um, we would um, beforehand pick uh, a particular portion of the scripture. We'd read it. Uh, and as I recall, actually, we did have a particular way of going about it. Yeah, because um, you had we, a set of questions. Well, maybe we did. It's been a long time. Um, <laughs> we So we actually read it. I think the way we typically did it was we basically we would have like you know a portion of scripture, like maybe like half of a half of a chapter or something, and we would just sort of have people in the group go around the circle and read like read like one or two verses each mm-hmm. as we went around the circle so it sort of we heard it in different voices and everyone got to participate um and after we heard it uh we would discuss it and yeah i do think we had we had some guiding questions most of the time um but it wasn't a particular it wasn't like a system or anything like that we just okay. sort of figured that was the the best way for us to do it at, to as sort of like a small group uh study okay so um, well, I know that over at Friends Meeting of Washington, uh, they have, I think, once a month they do a Bible study where they use what's called Friendly Bible Study. And I think this is one that Friends General Conference puts forward, where they've got a set of several questions, um, I think five questions that you're supposed to answer. Um, and one of the ones that's in there that I think is one you don't probably find with a lot of non-Quakers is, um, do I see truth in this? which is an interesting one to have in there. Mm. Um, you know, I think the first thing is, like, what is the main point of it? Um, I can't remember what all five questions are. Yeah, so it's, but, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a weird way of putting the question as opposed to, like, where do I find truth in it? The, the, do I find truth yeah, in well, it? Yeah, well, I think it was... I think it was, no. I think it was um, is this true to my experience? Uh-huh. I think that was how it was put. Um, but... Uh, I was visiting Green Street Friends earlier this year, and my husband came along, too. I mean, you know, he and I were, we, we spent a weekend in Philadelphia, and we visited Green Street Friends, and we went over early enough to go to their Bible study, and they were doing the friendly Bible study thing, and uh, I know afterward he was like, huh, I've never been to a Bible study before. That was actually really interesting. Those were good questions to use. So, what's that? That's good. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think... Um, I think definitely one of the questions we always asked, you know, in our Friends of Jesus meetings here in D.C. was um, basically, where are you struggling with this? Like, are there places you're struggling with the scripture that are like stuff that doesn't make sense or is hard or you're you're feeling yourself sort of pushing back on? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was usually that that was often the most rich part of our conversation was the stuff that we were having a tough time with. Um, and I think asking those questions really helped us create a space where um, 
it wasn't assumed that we all had to start out at the same place, but we right. could come in like sort of wherever we were at and we could openly express doubt um, with a relation to the text or anything else. And that was okay. Right. And, and I was at that point, like, I don't even know about this whole God thing when I was, uh, uh, coming to that with you. <laughs> mm. Um, I know, um, listening to, cause I, I mentioned in the previous episode that I've been listening to the podcast, two feminists annotate the Bible that at the end of their episodes, they have their three things are joy, junk, and Jehovah. So they say, what was your joy in this? And what was the thing that you just, ah, like the thing that, you know, I guess this would be the, you know, sort of what were you, what made you struggle, but like, you know, what was, what was the, what was the part that you thought was really junky, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. is how they put it. And then, um, where, and then Jehovah's, where do you see God in this? Right. Um, so those are also, uh, some other questions that you can look at with it. Um, so, so there were some other things so that's just Bible study though. There's other things in this chapter mentioned, like more devotional type reading, um, which is like, where do you get started? So yeah. I think last time uh, you and I agreed that starting with the four gospels is like a good starting point. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good plan. I think a lot of folks, including me, uh, when they first try to read the Bible, uh, I think when I first tried to read the Bible a long time ago, you know, uh, reading the Bible beyond like Sunday school, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I first tried to read the Bible, probably like in middle school or high school, um, I started with Genesis and tried to work my Me way too. through. Me yeah. too. I tried that too. It didn't it's work. A, it's a really, for most people, I think it's a really bad move. Um, especially because like Genesis is actually super interesting. Exodus is very, very interesting for most of it. And then it just gets like, if you don't have any background, it gets like more, less, for me, in my experience, less and less interesting for a very long time. Uh, it's um, like it's like reading your way through um, quicksand. Yeah, for <laughs> significant parts of it. So yeah, I mean, so for me, um, when I first really started reading the Bible uh, as an adult, uh, I started with the New Testament, and I read through the Gospels, and I read through the letters, and you know what? I mean, honestly, reading through the Gospels and then reading through the rest of the New Testament... For me, that was a great way to go because uh, the Gospels are really the meat. The Gospels are very long uh, relative to the rest of the New Testament. And the whole New Testament is not really that long. So once you're done with the Gospels, you're, you're really halfway there or more. Um, so you can read through Acts and the letters and you know, finish up with Revelation, which is a nice, a ni a nice uh, <laughs> note, note to end things on. Uh, and for, for, me reading through, for me, reading through the New Testament for the first time as an adult, um, after, uh, after attending a, a young adult's Quaker conference in England, um, was really a revelatory experience Wait, for me. Was that the World Gathering of Young Friends? Yeah, and so I, I when when I was there, I met a lot of Latin American Quakers who really who really loved Jesus and and loved the Bible, loved the scriptures, um, and they their enthusiasm encouraged me to look more into it. And so when I started reading the New Testament, it was just absolutely a revelatory experience for me. I just found so much life uh, in in those writings uh, that um, that really helped propel me into my into my current spiritual path so um you said that you read the gospels and then you read all the acts and the epistles um stuff uh i actually did the same thing when i finally was like you know i should actually like read what's in there um <laughs> so uh there's this app that's just called i think it's just called the bible or holy bible or whatever it's like it's the most popular bible app there is on android it's, or iphone it's, it's, uh, you're probably talking about you version yeah it's the one from you version and i think they i think the i think it's just the bible app um, mm -hmm. which they're also that they also do the website bible.com mm -hmm. and 
um, they have these reading plans in there. And so sometime last year I did their Gospel in 30 Days one. Mm-hmm. And then after I finished that, I did um, another one that was, I think it was maybe 90 days for Acts and the Epistles. Uh, 85 days, apparently, it says. Um, but that that was, I, I feel like, a good way to go through it. It takes you, like, um, two or three chapters a day, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you U version is really great, and I've 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 read through I've read through uh, the the full Bible a couple of times with U version. Like they have like the Bible in one year, uh, which is which is pretty good. One year um, sounds intense because I know there's also like a three year version. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean it's it's basically like it's what it ends up being is like a couple of chapters of the Old Testament every day plus uh, maybe like half maybe like you know half a chapter of New Testament and a Psalm. And a couple of a couple of verses of Proverbs. Yeah, that that sounds kind of intense. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little. I mean, you know, it's it's ten minutes of reading a day. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I know when I was going through these uh, reading plans. Um, spoiler: I'm not that good at routine. Um, <laughs> I I did remember to take my allergy medicine yesterday at work after I got there with my breakfast, but I, I took it. Um, so you can imagine me trying to do one of these daily daily Bible reading plans. This goes like, oh crap! I'm four days behind. Read, 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 read. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you if you get behind, it's really better to just sort of like reset it, which they let you do. You can say catch right. me up. Um, that's the best way to do it because if you get multiple days behind, then you just start feeling bad about yourself, and it's better just to sort of like say, well, let's just start from where I'm at. Okay, so I did the 40 days of Lent one, and then I was like, well, I can't just hit the reset button because then it's like not going to be Lent anymore. Right. And yeah. of course, at this point, yes, I know Quakers aren't, you know, don't do Lent. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I mean, seems... <laughs> some, some 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 Quakers don't do Lent. <laughs> I think a lot of probably more at this point, probably more Quakers do Lent than don't. Hmm. Is it common in the pastoral branch? I mean, I yeah, I, like, I, I, I've, I, noticed, I, I've noticed I, that it seems I, like I think, like. I think that I think that my 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 just uh, sort of my anecdotal observation is that for for Protestants in general, I mm-hmm. think that uh, observing the more high some of the more high church seasons is becoming a lot more common and a lot more interesting, especially for millennials lately, uh, than it was say twenty years ago. Um, so like when I was growing up, like liturgical season wasn't a very big deal in the, evang- in the evangelical Quaker church that I was a part of. But, like, today, like, pretty much all the all the low church Protestants I know, like, are all into, like, celebrating Lent and, like, really getting to Holy Week and all that stuff just because we're all sort of exploring that side of the tradition, even though, even though we're, like, that's not necessarily what we were raised in. It's just uh, a way to get, a way to get deeper and experience the liturgical seasons. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you know, George Fox probably rolling over his grave, but I don't really care because I find it meaningful. Right. For me, it just, I, it happened to be that I was like going, I was looking at the like, so which plans are available, like, you know, on like Ash Wednesday or Fat Tuesday or one of those days. And then I was like, oh, there's a 40 days of Lent one. Well, that's convenient. Sure. Sure. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I didn't keep up on it terribly well, but yeah, a couple of catch up days and I got there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know somebody at my meeting actually um, the Sunday after Lent started, um, she was I think I think it was like during joys and concerns or something. She said something about wanting to 
try having like a daily Bible reading thing. And so afterward I showed her that in it like showed her the I installed the version app on her phone and showed her um, how to set that up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean for for me, um, I, I sort of I sort of have seasons where I'm like really getting into reading scripture and I'm, and I'm reading a lot of scripture, and then I go through seasons where like you know, uh, like so for for me in in the last in the last year I've been in, like a major life transition with changing careers from. Mm -hmm. From being a communicate a nonprofit communications professional to being a web developer, and so like my life has been crazy, and honestly, like my spiritual disciplines have pretty much completely dropped off. And right, just, you're so busy learning so much other stuff oh, that like yeah. you're like I don't feel like staring at book. Yeah, I mean like yeah, basically my spiritual discipline for the last year has been learning to program, um, <laughs> but uh, you know it, maybe it wasn't spiritual, but it was a discipline. Um, yes. But uh, but so like at this point, um, I'm beginning to get back into Bible reading a little bit, and what I'm finding best is like something that's really nourishing me is uh, in so I uh, I uh, now I'm commuting down to Springfield, Virginia, three days a week for work, um, oh, which is which is yeah, it's, it's kind of a nasty ride. Um, although the morning typically isn't that bad, and so in the morning I'm for a long, for like for the first couple months of my job I was listening to Democracy Now. Uh, on my on my drive down, which Democracy Now is really great. Just by the way, uh, incidentally, I love Democracy Now. Um, <laughs> but so I'll, I'll give I'll give them my endorsement for like you know if if you're tired of listening to NPR, check out Democracy Now. But and now everybody knows Micah's politics if they didn't oh, sure. already. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh. I'm, I'm 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 to the left of Bernie Sanders. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but but so but what I was noticing was like although I really enjoy I really appreciate Democracy Now, I was really enjoying it. Um, for me, it, like eventually, I realized it didn't feel healthy, like be steeping myself in like the Don Anger. like Donald Donald Trump update every day, um, and so I I so just just like recently, um, I started listening to the New Testament um, in in the mornings, mm -hmm. uh, and that's been really good, and I think I'm going to keep doing that. And and for me, for me, I mean, I just think I could listen to the Gospel of Mark on loop uh, every day. Um, and, and that's something like in the, la the last few, the last few seasons that I have been, you know, getting, you know, getting into Bible reading. Cause as I say, I go on and off sort of, um, right. but most recently, like in the last few years, I've been really gravitating towards like taking one text, particularly a gospel, particularly the gospel of Mark. And it's going like really deep into it. So like the last time I was in a season where I was like really listening to scripture a lot, and listening to scripture is a really great experience. It's very different from reading it and like listening to it and sort of repeatedly listening to it and letting it flow over you. Oh um, yeah, I, I so so the I've noticed that that version app um, you have to have a data connection going at the time in order to get the the audio. Bible? Yeah, that's that's why I, I actually bought, I actually bought a recording because I, oh, okay. I I I don't have data like that. Thankfully, my Wi-Fi actually reaches to my vegetable garden, so I can have my um my phone read the Bible to me while I'm gardening. Yeah, and that's something I've done. But so so in this last season that I was really into Bible reading, like I was I listened to the Gospel of Mark. I listened to it like probably 15 times in a row. Um, wow. And it, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. It was really, it was really deep. And like, I had been reading commentaries about it and stuff. So like, I've been, I've been doing more research about Mark and like learning more and more about Mark. And like, so just listening to Mark like 15 times in a row was amazing because there's so much going on in that text. And just to hear it again and again, each time new stuff is coming out and like you're beginning, 
you're beginning to sort of start memorizing uh, not like not necessarily exact words, but like you become so familiar with the flow of the text that like you you, you start paying attention to like what the structure of the text is and why mm -hmm. certain why certain stories are placed where they are in what order they are mm -hmm. um, when you just hear it again and again and again. So mm -hmm. that that was that was really meaningful for me and something I think I think I'd like to do again. Uh, speaking of which, um, now. I, Currently, and, and for the last few years, the Gospel of Mark has been my favorite gospel. I, every, every gospel has been my favorite at some point except John. I like John a lot, but John has never been my favorite. I've always, been, I've always sort of gravitated towards the synoptics in terms Maybe of like... that's why it's the last one. Yeah, I mean, you know, John, John's amazing. And if, if you want to talk about John, I can talk about John all day because John I sort of see as like the synoptic... No, see, if we wanted to talk about John, we would have to call, call up Michael Newhart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and for our listeners... Um, there are books out there written about uh, the Gospel of John and about John's Revelation and um, that are written by a guy named Michael Newhart. He actually goes to my meeting. And so, you know, if we wanted to talk about John, we would just, like, call him up and, like, have him come over and record with us. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can do that at some point. Um, and I forget what I was saying. You're uh, saying that different ones have been your favorite at different points. Yeah, no, except... but, I was, but I was going somewhere and I can't remember now. Oh, um, sorry. But... Yeah, um, but but su suffice it to say, oh, here is here's what it was. Um, beyond like personal devotional reading, which is what I've been talking about, something I've really been wanting to do is because um, I mean I love Mark, and Mark is the shortest, and that's significant. Because what I'd really like to do is I would like to get together with like what I would love to do is to get together like fill my living room with all my friends and have us read Mark out loud like all the way through and just hear it read. Um, I think that'd be really awesome. And that's the way the gospels were originally heard. Like originally, mm -hmm. originally an, an evangelist or, would come, would come and, and visit a household. And by, and you know, back in those days, a household was, you know, might've been a hundred people. Um, but right. The, uh, the, the, the manor, the, the, the master and the mistress and all their servants and all well, their children and all the servants, children. And well, it, it was, it was sort of like a, it was sort of like, like a, like a more of an extended family. Mm -hmm. Um, but so, but anyway, the way the gospels were originally heard uh, was in this setting of like everyone's gathered in their home, and we just had dinner, and now the the evangelist who's come to share the word with us is going to recite the gospel story to us, and like I'd really like I'd really like to experience it that way. So that that's sort of that's on my that's on my uh, my bucket list, I guess. Is I'd like I'd like to fill our, fill our house with all our friends and hear like hear the gospel of Mark together. So I guess that's uh, something that we're going to be doing in Friends of Jesus at some point then. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Might have, or, or maybe just do it on one of the longer Friends of Jesus retreats. That way you can set a day for it. <laughs> um, anyway. I, I, I think, I think I, I'd have to check, but I'm thinking to read through the Gospel of Mark would probably only take a couple hours. So, really? you know, it, hmm. yeah, I mean, Gospel of yeah, Mark is yeah. only like 15 chapters. So I figure oh, like yeah. it'd probably be equivalent to watching a movie. Right, yeah, and I mean, I just, because um, Purim, Purim, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, Jewish holiday involving Esther happened re recently, and so I read the book of Esther to my husband, because mm -hmm. <laughs> he was going, what's Purim? And who is, uh, oh, no, I forgot his name, the bad guy. Um, yeah, uh, anyway, um, don't remember whatever the heck I was going to say. Uh, 
Um, so see this 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 really this really is the part of our show when we need to have like the phone line and have the listeners calling in. Because right. I'd, I'd sort of like I sort of like to hear what our listeners uh, what their experience of Bible reading is and how it's been meaningful or not for them. Because I really do think, um, strangely enough, I think most Christians don't really read the Bible. Uh, uh, I grew up Catholic, and what you do there, which okay, remember, more than half the world's Christians are Catholics. Uh, when you're a Catholic, you go to church on Sunday, and while you're there, they read something from the Old Testament, which is the first reading, and then they read a, well, they read or sing a psalm, or a part of a psalm. Um, they call that part the responsorial psalm, because they say part of it, and then you recite back a part of it. Um, and then they do the second reading, which is something from the Epistles or Acts, or etc. And then they do the Gospel, which is some reading from the Gospels, obviously. So you get a little bit of each chunk of the Bible. Um, during during each Sunday Mass or, you know, weekday Mass if you go to those two. And it takes three years to get through the whole lectionary. And technically not everything is actually in the lectionary. But, um, you know, mostly it's you you hear it more so. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there are Catholics who do read it. But mostly growing up Catholic, you're used to hearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, or I mean, singing it, I suppose, because I, I so much, so many of the hymns that I know, like when I started reading the Bible, I was like, oh, hey, that's that hymn. Oh, hey, there's that other hymn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, the Psalms were songs. Are hymns. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, um, yeah. And I mean, you know, the lectionary, I, I, I use the lectionary for preaching. And I think typically at the, at the Church of the Brethren, where my wife and I go right now, um, I think typically we all preach, all, all of us preachers preach on the lectionary typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lectionary definitely doesn't cover the whole Bible, like, because, you know, the lectionary, uh, the, the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, it, it, it holds, you know, it, it's a cycle of like three years. So yeah, in three, right, in, yeah, it's in a three-year three cycle, you, and uh, of course they have to make sure they time it up so that you end up with the um, nativity story from one of them all ending up at Easter, and the, the Easter story from all of them, or... No, nativity story all ending up at Christmas, and the Easter story from all of them all ending up at Easter. So when you when you consider that it takes with a one year Bible, I have to spend about you know probably ten or fifteen minutes every day reading the Bible to get through the Bible in one year. Um, you're definitely not covering the whole Bible with a three year cycle of a lectionary. Mm-hmm. So, um, so one of the other things that was in this chapter that was mentioned was the um, unprogrammed Bible reading. Um, they didn't really give a name for it, but, um, there is a YouTube video out there with somebody explaining to Martin Kelly the, uh, Bible reading in the manner of conservative friends, and that's what gets described in here, and I, I refer to it as unprogrammed Bible reading. Um, and last year, I went to think it's, I went to the wider gathering, wait, the wider fellowship of conservative friends. I went to their gathering. There we go. We'll put it that way. And they were doing the unprogrammed Bible reading there. And so they would have, I think they did an hour of Bible reading before having an hour and a half of worship. And so everybody would then be there for spending two and a half hours at the meeting house. But, you know, we all went over and had uh, our Bibles. And a significant portion of us had our Bibles in the form of a Bible app on our phone. Because finding something in a Bible is hard if you don't have a whole lot of stuff memorized or concordance. Um, but so everybody sit there and, you know, some people would just open up to somewhere and start silently reading, or, um, maybe you, you 
have your Bible closed and you're doing waiting worship, waiting for a passage to come to you, and then go and find that in there. Uh, but anyway, sometime during that, some you know somebody would stand up and read out a piece of a scripture, and then just say you know John one fourteen through twenty three or you know whatever the citation was, and then sit back down without discussion and just letting it sit and let you contemplate it. And I know that was described in the book and I actually found that really, I really liked that. And so did um, my friend Joy, who also went to the gathering with me. And so when we came back, we talked to our meeting about starting to do that at our meeting. And so now we do that on Wednesday nights. Cool. No, yeah, it's a cool practice. I've, I've done it too. And um, just like any meeting for worship, like sometimes it's more powerful than others, but it's, right. uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And and I think the 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 letting the text speak for itself and not adding commentary is really important. Right. Yeah. Because so, sometimes cause, you want to do the the like academic reading where you're going, what does this word mean and stuff, and sometimes you just need to sit with it. Well, I think I think what's what's cool when it, when 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 the spirit is moving, what's really cool that happens is uh, texts get writ texts get read, and it's it's just this really amazing like synergy and connection between the different texts that are read and it feels like it's all, it's like a Ouija board experience where like the message is being pieced together. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, so I've had some conversations recently with some friends who are uh, of the more conservative traditional stripe um, who have talked about how they, you know, that when they were growing up that um, or like, you know, in the old days or whatever, that there was, um, as a common practice, um, having quiet time with the kids at home. And um, one of them said that this is common with Mennonites too, but like having some quiet time at home with the kids in the evening where you sit and read some of the Bible with the kids sitting there listening, you know, read it out loud. Um, and then I don't know if the Mennonites would do this part, but the, the Quakers would um, also do some waiting worship each night as a family and that that helped with getting the kids accustomed to sitting quietly for waiting worship for a while so that then when they go on Sundays, it gets a little easier, a little sooner rather than, you know, wired kid going, why are we, why are we being quiet? I got to move. Ah. Mm -hmm. I certainly do say that meeting is a muscle. Yeah. It's a spiritual discipline for sure. So do you, do you think there are ways of reading the Bible that are dangerous and, and un, un, unhelpful? Proof texting can be unhelpful. Like when you're, when you're just trying to find something to win an argument. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hope, hopefully people aren't doing that in, in their devotional reading. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously there are certainly parts that like get used out of context and stuff, but, um, you know, I, I feel like devotional reading would be less subject to that since you're probably going to read more than just two lines at a time. Um, oh, also, uh, thank you, by the way, Micah, for introducing me to the message translation of the Bible, because I think that one is really awesome for devotional reading. It's, do you, do you want to explain it? So, yeah, um, the message, the message is not actually, to be technical, it's not a translation, it's a, it's a paraphrase. Um, so it's sort of a poetic reinterpretation of the scriptures. So, um, the message basically takes takes the scriptures and reframes it in language that, that is very poetic and sort of interpretive 
um, and sort of opens up the text in ways where um, it's not literally what the text says, but it's, it, it, it sort of gives you a new angle on what the text might mean. Um, so I, I really like, you know, when I first read through the New informal. Testament. Informal. Yeah, informal, informal, and in some places a little, like, it's just saying things very differently. Um, and so when I first read through the New Testament, I actually read it through in the message, and I found, I found it very accessible and helpful. Um, at this point, um, I prefer to le- read a more literal translation, but I really enjoy reading the message as sort of a, a supplement of, like, here's another way of sort of, like, hearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually use the New International Version now. Um, but, yeah, I think I went through all of Matthew in uh, the message. Um, I remember when I was going to the uh, Bible study at Friends Meeting in Washington, I took my copy of the message with me, and uh, we were reading about uh, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, right? But, like, before he baptizes Jesus, like, he's, like, preaching to people. And he's preaching about life change is how they put it in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And, of course, every other translation says repentance. Right. Um, But, which, you know, the other people in the Bible were like, what? That's weird. But, you know, it it makes sense because when you're talking about repentance, it's not that you just say, I'm sorry, and then you keep doing it. So there's life change. No, no, I mean, actually, uh, repentance... Uh, for those of us, for those of us who have been hearing that word for a long time and have done a lot of study about it, and we've sort of thought about what it means, repentance is a fine word. But for most people, repentance sort of means like feeling bad about yourself, and then and then admitting you're bad, um, and then agreeing right. and then agreeing not to do bad things anymore. Which actually is technically sort of what repentance means, but it's it's become repentance has been sort of soaked uh, by by church authorities for so long in terms of the sort of punitive idea of what repentance is that mm-hmm. it, the word repentance is really pretty damaged at this point. But the, the original Greek word that is translated as repentance, metanoia, is actually like a literal translation. It would be like ter- like turning your life around. Um, mm-hmm. Basically okay. like you, you, were, you, were, you, were headed, you were headed down the highway the, the wrong way at 80 miles an hour. And I'm you sorry, stopped hang the on. Car Micah, and Micah you are around. you saying that you were on the highway to hell? Absolutely. Da, 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 da. <laughs> We're on a highway to hell. <laughs> yep. So you're on the highway to hell, 80 miles an hour, and repentance is stopping the car dead and doing a U-turn. Okay. <laughs> so it's it, it, it's changing your life. It's changing your life. It's uh it, it's 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 having a moment of clarity and making a decision to change your life. And now we all learned a new word in Greek. That's right. Greek is fun. Uh, All right. So I think we're pretty much done talking about... uh, I think think we've reached that Micah Sings Highway to Hell moment in the podcast where we're we're probably wrapping up. Yeah. So um, we actually wanted... So uh, next time we might not be talking about something from the book. Uh, because we actually got some uh, listener requests on Twitter. Yeah, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. We have just we have just let you know that it is possible for us to for this train to go off the tracks and make our own way. So uh, if you've got something you really want to hear us talk about and you want us to explore, uh, let us know because we've already gotten a couple requests and we are taking others. So um, next time we might be talking about. Uh, what's in here? The Psalms and other scripture passages, which would then finish out the uh, set of stuff about the Bible. Um, 
or we might temporarily detour and talk about either uh, the various branches of Quakers that exist, because a British friend said, I'm very confused about all these types of Quakers that you have over there. Could you explain them? Uh, we also or... had another friend asking us to talk about the devil, <laughs> which I'm very excited about. I think we need to talk about the devil. Which I would need to do a whole lot of homework because I have never encountered any Quaker writings about the devil. Oh, man. Early Quaker. Just go back and read it, like any early Quaker writings. They talk about the tempter all the time. I mean, okay. See, I haven't encountered the tempter thing. I've, or maybe I have. I don't know. I don't think I've encountered the tempter thing. It's like lots of like darkness and... You know, that, like, like you have the ocean of darkness or that kind of stuff. But I don't remember actually seeing them say the tempter. Um, okay, actually, I have a question for you now, Micah. Did they ever say the enemy? I'm sure. I mean, I'd have to go back and look. But I mean, that's, okay. the, the enemy, enemy is a, is a common, is a common, like in Paul's writings, the enemy is a common way of referring to the devil. Okay. Yeah, I just, when I went and visited the, uh, so... Here's here's one to surprise all our listeners. There is an Amish church in Washington, D.C. Nobody expects that because, like, Amish are rural, right? But they're beachy Amish, so they're a little weird. They actually uh, drive black cars, and uh, they have electricity, and as long as there's a kitty filter, they can use the internet for, you know, Bible study or something. Um, <laughs> but they otherwise still do the dressing funny and no radios and no TVs and all that. Um... And while I visit, I went and visited them once and, you know, this little old lady who was, you know, started going on about, you know, the enemy is everywhere. And it's like, okay, lady. <laughs> no one ever expects the Amish Inquisition. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And with that, we will close out. <laughs> Have a good one. You can find us on the web at quakerpodcast.org, on Twitter as Quaker Faith, on Facebook and on iTunes. 